This is Connected Nation, a podcast focused on all things broadband. From closing the digital divide to improving your internet speeds, we talk technology topics that impact all of us, our families, and our communities. On today's podcast, we talk with those behind Excelicom, a company created specifically to manage access to Kentucky's newly created state-owned fiber optic network. We ask how the company is helping businesses and other organizations tap into the state network, why it's a good business model, and what mistakes and victories were made along the way that other states can learn from. I'm Jessica Denson, and this is Connected Nation. I'm Jessica Denson, and today we're talking with Katherine Robertson, who is the Director of Business Development for Excelicom, the company leading the next phase of Kentucky Wired. Welcome, Katherine. Hello, Jessica. Thank you for having me here today. We are excited to talk to you. Um, I know you've recently taken on this new role, correct? Yes, yes. At the beginning of February, I had the privilege of joining a phenomenal team and becoming a part of Excelicom. Well, I appreciate you taking on the challenge of talking to us today, especially with, since you're new to the company. Uh, before we dive into what Excelicom does, let's talk a little bit about your background. Tell me a little bit about um, where you've come from and uh, how you ended up at Excelicom. Sure. So I was born and raised in Bowling Green, Kentucky, and graduated from Western Kentucky University. So far, my career has focused on serving in an external relations capacity for both political campaigns and private companies. Um, I'm married to my husband, Steve, and we have two young children currently live in Lexington. Um, just a note for our listeners and for you, um, Connect Nation is based in Bowling Green, Kentucky. You were founded by a uh, WKU professor. So it's pretty, we have some close ties, whether you do it or not, Catherine. <laughs> oh, how about that? What professor, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, Gosh, it was 20 plus years ago, so I'm not sure. Now I'm going to have to find out or my CEO is going to be like, you should have known that, Jessica. Uh, <laughs> I'll put that in the description of the podcast. <laughs> well, you might you might know the person. I know it was a woman, so um, I do know that much. <laughs> um, you most recently served as vice president of external relations for a global hemp company. And I put next to that, that's interesting. Uh, explain what you did with that. Yeah, so that that was a really interesting job, and I had never worked in um, the hemp industry before. Um, it, it was a very unique industry in that it attracted a lot of people who had some very passionate feelings about you know the hemp plant. Um, but I was brought on board more for my community relations experience. Um, the company was founded by a group of gentlemen who were not from Kentucky, but relocated to Kentucky to take advantage of our friendly legislation. Um, And so they needed somebody that knew some people in the state and could help make introductions and help um, facilitate some of the relationships that were were necessary, necessary to get things done there. Um, So that is, that's how I ended up with them. And you mentioned that you've done some work in politics, and uh, you really began your career as an intern with a, a senior senator, correct? Yes, yes. Like um, like many of, of us who have a, a background in politics, um, Senator Mitch McConnell opened the door for us, and we, we proudly walked through. So he is where I got my start. 
we we do have a couple of uh, staff members who I believe worked with um, the senator earlier in their careers as well. So it's interesting. But we have people on both sides of the aisle. Um, we're very neutral, but I think it's it's great whenever you hear that leadership at any role, especially in the federal role, it helps young people when they're coming out up and 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 starting to to develop their careers. Don't you think? Was that like a unique uh, experience? It was not what I thought it was going to be. I thought when I went up there that I was going to be doing a lot of um, grunt work and running errands for people. And it certainly wasn't like that at all. Um, his team is is fabulous. And Robert Stewart, who is still managing his communications in his, um, in his office, he and um, his team did a really great job of teaching and educating and nurturing and helping you to really understand what it is that they do and why they do it that way. So there are things today that I still use um, that I learned back then. And it was just really an invaluable experience. Well, that's really interesting. And a lot of people don't get a chance to experience politics in a, in a different way from behind the scenes. Uh, what attracted you to your current role at Excelicom? So whenever I've been looking at at a place of employment, I've always been really drawn to those that have a strong mission behind them. Um, for me, the idea of improving the quality of life of individuals and like the, the functionality of a business, it was just very appealing to me. So I respect the advantages of being connected. And I love the idea of being able to help people who didn't have those resources yet get there. Uh, that is something we would definitely echo um, at Connected Nation. Um, <laughs> let's dig into the, what the company is doing. It launched in early 2021 following the completion of Kentucky Wired Network, which was established by the state. And let me give our audience just a little bit of background. That network includes more than 3,000 miles of high-capacity fiber optic cable that extends through Kentucky's 120 counties, which translates into about a million miles of fiber strands. So quite the feat there. Can you explain what organizations were connected in that initial work and what Excelicom is now doing? Sure. So Excelicom is the exclusive wholesale provider to the state's fiber optic network. Um, the state does all of the public universities and state, state agencies, anything that they're connected with. And then we cover everything else. So any business, um, any internet service provider that needs to tap into our network, we handle those it's not really something that individuals get, right? It's something that you connect a provider and then they work at the individual level. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. Um, I noticed on your website that it's referred to as a hundred G symmetrical geo redundant fiber network. Um, I'm not a big techie. I do understand some things in the, in the web world and the, uh, and the connectivity world, but can you explain what that means for the layman in our audience? Yes, Absolutely. <laughs> So that's just a really fancy way of saying that the network is super fast, state-of-the-art, and high quality. Um, and because it's high quality and state-of-the-art, we're able to offer very affordable and competitive pricing. So it's it's just saying it's it's as fast as it can get pretty much, right? Pretty much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when you say that G to people in the industry, they, you know, their mouths kind of, their jaws drop, but... Um, but I'm right there with you. This is technology isn't my first skill set. 
Yeah, I've had to learn to develop. Uh, the, the poor staff at Connected Nation sometimes have to um, correct me, but I, I'm learning. It's a learning process. You've got hope, Catherine, I promise you. <laughs> Uh, the company is now focusing on helping other organizations such as, health, such as healthcare facilities, businesses, community groups benefit from this fiber network. I just noticed, um, if I may, I, I read several news stories just to prepare for this, um, that you're already connecting connected additional businesses in 80 of the 120 counties and brought on several hundred additional customers and invested $50 million last year. Are you planning to invest a total of a hundred million over the next year, or is, or is that a combination? I know. I guess my my overall question is: You're starting to connect all these different groups. Is there a focus on a certain area or type of business, or is it all across the board? So it's across the board. Anybody can, anybody, any business can connect to the network. There are certain industries that have been more drawn to the network. One of those happens to be healthcare. Um, back to your earlier statement. So in this past year, we invested 50 million in our operation. And then coming up, we're going to be in 2022, we're going to be investing an additional 100 million. Um, so we are very committed to making sure that this is the most state of the art and the best option for, um, for everybody in Kentucky to get on some high speed internet access. As far as, as healthcare is concerned, you know, I think one of the reasons why we have been so popular among that sector is, you know, as, as terrible as the pandemic has been, I think it's brought to light um, the struggles that communities face by being unserved and underserved. Healthcare is one of those sectors where we be, it became very apparent, um, especially in rural areas. Telehealth it became a very desirable way for people to communicate with medical professionals. But the lack of, of a high-speed connection made those types of appointments impossible for some people. We recently partnered with uh, the Center for Rural Development in Eastern Kentucky to bring high-speed internet access to health departments in Eastern Kentucky and thus enabling them the ability to offer telehealth options, which, which just does a world of good for patients who perhaps they see doctors in Louisville or Lexington, and it's just not as feasible to drive up there every day or once a week. This allows them to have those face-to-face -face meetings and, and helps them to stay on top of their health conditions. And um, just a request, question um, regarding the additional investment of $100 million over the next year. Is that... Um, you mentioned Eastern Kentucky. Uh, so when you, when the company invests in that, are, are you all looking at areas that, that still remain in need of um, expansion um, from that initial network or is it building upon that network? Oh, kind of what's the approach to that? Yeah. So we are definitely very interested in areas that, that are unserved and underserved. However, um, you know, we serve the, the entire state. So I don't know the fine details of how the 100 million will be used, but it will definitely be used to expand the network in Kentucky and reach more businesses. That's, that's wonderful. The, the concept of a statewide network was to close the digital divide in Kentucky. Um, how do you see Excelicom's role in delivering on that promise? And especially in your new role as a, director of business development. 
Okay, so before the network was built, Kentucky ranked in the bottom 20% of states for connectivity. And since the network's been built, we are now in the top 20%. So we've made a tremendous amount of progress in a very short amount of time, in large part due to the support of our state legislature and the governor placing such a high priority on access to broadband. Um, As Excelicom continues to grow, more and more businesses and communities will benefit. Um, from the advantages of high speed and high quality broadband, I think. Is this approach that's unique to Kentucky? Because, I mean, I think it's great. Uh, Of course, Connected Nation, we support the idea of closing the digital divide. So I love to hear when you say that lawmakers are doing positive things for it. So, but is this approach that's just unique to Kentucky? Is Excelicom or similar models being used elsewhere that you know of? To the best of my knowledge, this is unique to Kentucky. I know you're relatively new to the organization, uh, really uh, just in the last month or two you've joined, but are there any mistakes or victories during this process that maybe other groups could learn from or other states, any, i.e. any lessons learned um, as you look at this model? So the majority of our growth has occurred while COVID has been going on. Um, so I think that some of the obstacles and successes that we experienced, they may not necessarily necessarily apply to um, a COVID-free society, but I think that there are you know some lessons that that can can transfer. Um, one piece of advice I'd give anybody that is attempting to do this is get in front of your elected official officials and community leaders. You know, make sure they know everything you're doing, everything that you're willing to offer, the services you'll be providing, and and how you can help them make the most of what you're doing. I, th- I think that's really good advice, especially now. And I think also when you say when you mentioned COVID, I, th- I think it's important to point out that people now understand that access is important. Whereas a lot of two years ago, I was explaining to journalists why it was important to have broadband access. And now I think there's few people that could argue that, no, we don't need it, you know, so um, including our lawmakers. Yeah, absolutely. I think they really got to see how how critical it was concerning health care and then early education. Oh, early education. That is um I can't imagine being a parent during the pandemic. You know, when you hear stories of, you know, children who had to go to a McDonald's to do their coursework because they didn't have internet access at their home. And it's just, it's heartbreaking um, that those obstacles exist. And you said at the top of the new, at the top of the podcast that you have two children, correct? I do. Um, are they of elementary age? Are they older or... No, they are three months and three years old, so they aren't there yet. We didn't have to do any online schoolwork. Thank you. You got lucky. (laughs) I can't imagine. I don't have any children, but I just, I feel for parents during this time. It has to, it has to be such a difficult choice between telework and um, remote learning. No, but I'll tell you when there was probably a three month hiatus when, when daycares had to, to shut down and one of the, the moms of the children in my son's class got together um, a Zoom call for all the kids. 
And, you know, I'm like, oh, this is so silly. This is ridiculous. I can't believe we're doing this, but I'm going to do it because I can't be that mom that didn't do it. And it was the sweetest thing, you know, like all those little kids just seeing their buddies and like waving at them and pointing and saying, there's so-and-so. And there, you know, it was just, it was really sweet. That's adorable. <laughs> that sounds adorable. Especially a bunch of three and four year olds. Who are just, that's, the cutest <laughs> stage. that's the cutest stage of human beings. <laughs> in <Yeah>. my opinion. <laughs> Well, um, I do want to ask you, one of the reasons I asked you on the podcast is because it's Women's History Month all through March, and you have a really critical and high-level role that can really impact other people's lives. Share why you believe, and just from your point of view, it's important to celebrate the contributions of women during this time. Yeah, so, so often, women allow themselves to be defined by perceived limitations, Um I think it's empowering to see and celebrate the success of women in the workforce. I know when I see or read stories about female accomplishments in the news, it it motivates me to work hard. Um, Personally, it's both terrifying and flattering to be seen as an example for other women, but it also makes me want to be the very best version of myself. And would you offer any words of advice to young women who are starting in their careers? Sure. Um, I don't necessarily think this just applies to women. I think that this applies to anyone. But, you know, everybody talks about obtaining their dream job. And and that's great. You absolutely need to strive to obtain that ideal role. However, um, what people fail to consider is that the company or the entity that you work for, it is just as important as the tasks you perform. Um, my advice to women or people in general is, is when you're considering a position and where it may take you in the future, don't forget to evaluate the employer um, and any future potential colleagues as well. For me, this was one of those um, you don't know until you know situations. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I knew what I was good at, but it wasn't until I worked for people who were 100% committed to my success that I realized, you know, the ceiling doesn't exist. The sky is the limit. Um, I think that's what makes a job enjoyable and that what, that's what makes you get excited to wake up in the morning and go to work. I would echo that and agree with you a hundred percent. Good advice. Yes. For women or men, any young person who's going into their career or somebody who's been in it for years. Um, as for Acelicom, what's next? How would the company define success? Are there any big projects coming soon or things that we really should know about? Yeah. So our federal government has committed to investing $68 billion into expanding broadband in the United States. Um, one of my primary goals and one of the goals of Excelicom will be working with local governments, municipalities, and private business, businesses to access those funds and get them connected to our statewide network. So I think that that is, is going to be critical moving forward, is taking advantage of that money, getting as much of it as we can back here in Kentucky and getting to as many of those unserved and underserved communities as we can. And this is really a critical time, correct? In preparing to access those funds. It is. So the windows are opening up for grant applications. I know the reconnect program just closed at the beginning of, of March. Um, and that was specifically to connect, um, some businesses and residential areas in unserved and underserved areas, but there will be more opening up, you know, all throughout this year. 
So if an organization or a business wanted to connect with Excelicom, how would they do so? Sure, you could reach out to us through our website. That is www.excelicom.net. You could also email me. I'm Catherine.Robertson at openfiberky.com. Um, or you can call our main line. All right. Well, we'll end it there. Uh, Catherine, thank you so much for joining us today and uh, talking about everything that Excelicom is doing. It's a pretty exciting time to be in Kentucky. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Again, our guest today was Katherine Robertson, who is the Director of Business Development for Excelicom, the company leading the next phase of Kentucky Wired. By the way, to find the company online, head to excelicom.net. That's spelled A-C-C-E-L-E-C-O-M.net. I'll include a link to the website in the description of this podcast. I'm Jessica Denson. Thanks for listening to Connected Nation. If you like our show and want to know more about us, head to connectednation.org or look for the latest episodes on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Pandora, and other major podcast platforms.